we do need your prayers every day and uh, I would like to say thank you very much for those who pray for the work here and those who pray for us and for me. Uh, I want to say really thank you because we do need your prayers. I turned up this morning at the prayer meeting and uh, I said to the brethren, I don't have a word for you. They seem a bit puzzled and surprised, but that's a simple truth. Not for you now. I mean for the prayer there. I say to them, I don't have a word for you this morning. Um, as much as I want to share something, I always bring one verse or two. I say, I don't have any. Does any one of you have a verse to share? And Mr. Salil had First Timothy 1 Timothy 1.5, uh, how we should come before God with a pure conscience and all those kind of things and come with weaknesses because it will make us strong as we go back. And that directs our prayers this morning. You know, um, I've told you the other day, I've had one or two people telling me, oh, Brother Gee, we think that you just choose whatever you want to preach. You can preach on anything you want to preach. I say, oh, Lord, forgive me if that's how it comes across, you know, because you don't know the reality. You don't know the struggle well, we're talking to people who knows the Bible. We're talking to people who have been working with the Lord for some time. So we don't want to come and share cartoons here. We got to seek the Lord to add something to your Christian life. We're not talking to kindergarten people here. So if you think that I can just pick up anything and go on Wikipedia and take things like that, it doesn't work like that. I've spent over two weeks just trying to understand Revelation 3.20, I knock the door. I still don't have an answer. Because that's what I want to share with you. But I said, okay, because I haven't had a clear answer, I will still talk about it. And as I talk about it, the Holy Spirit will help. But if you think that preaching the word is just gathering a few Wikipedia stuff here and there, it doesn't work like that. If it has to be meaningful and edify people. Therefore, it's the responsibility for those who preach, it's the responsibility for those who receive. You can despise. There's nothing I can do to you. But I, ha I am accountable to the Lord to bring to you, to search scriptures, to pray for the Lord to, to bring an understanding in order for the church to grow. You have every right to reject. I'm not listening to him. Praise the Lord. It's carnal, it's flesh. Praise the Lord. But I am accountable to God. Because elders are established to feed the flock. That's the primary function. Is to feed, to give them food. It doesn't mean that I'm more clever, more... I'm, no, I'm not. And you know that I'm not. So everything you may think about me is true. But the Lord has allowed some of you to lead other people in the church. And those who are being led need to understand that it costs to those people. Sometimes we have husband and wife here with little children leaving them at home. 
coming to meeting, leading, preparing, printing, doing all those things. If you despise all that, then you lack discernment of the body of Christ. But if you have discernment of the body of Christ, if you're truly praying for this church, do you know what? Every little sign of progress, you bless the Lord. You bless the Lord because it's answer to your prayer. But if you're not, you will not rejoice of any progress because you will think it's for I'm not. Well, if we find a pastor now, I'm quite happy to set us out very quickly. But I'm not complaining before God, but I receive that as a burden from the Lord. It's a burden to serve the Lord. If you don't feel the burden, you're in the wrong place. But it has to be a burden from the Lord. And it comes with a cost, a lot of cost. You see, I was reading Paul's uh, list of suffering when he's listing suffering, and I say, oh, this is quite tough. I, I can't measure up to that, you know, the kind of suffering he went. And then I say, oh, bingo, there's one. I can recognize that, sleepless, sleeplessness. I say, oh, at least I'm like Paul in that one. <laughs> Praise the Lord. So we continue. We trust the Lord. He will help you. I love you all because you worship the living God. I love you all because we worship Christ. Doesn't matter. Well, I'm here. There is a reason why I'm here. Doesn't matter. You know, I don't. Uh... There was a president from Ivory Coast. He said this. He said, You. You don't need to love everybody. But that's not what the Bible says. The Bible is different. You have to. But love comes with a cost. You see, the young people, you know, boyfriend, girlfriend, etc., when they talk about love, they have a different understanding of love. Those who have been married and working in it, they have a different definition of love, <laughs> what love means. <laughs> It means something different. And the love in Christ means something different as well. There is a cost to it. There is a cost to it. You see, you get married very quickly. You talk about Hollywood love, love, love. And very quickly that word becomes problematic and it comes less and less and then it disappears. But this is not a romantic teaching. Let's talk about something else. That will come. In November 2024, we will have that. We will have a family forum meeting where we talk specifically about those things. Praise the Lord. Why am I going through all this? It's a deep desire to encourage one another. When we come together, everything must be done for edification. Everything, everything that can edify anything that can encourage, anything that can equip the believers, that's our role. And your role too. Don't destroy. Be considerate, actually. The, um, the, the note, the note uh, Dennis read here, it has, let's show reverence to God during the service. And consideration for fellow brothers and sisters. Because 
If you misbehave during the service, you're not just lacking reverence toward God, but you're disrespecting other worshippers. If everybody goes like this, because you're messing about, you're disrespecting them. I don't think any of us comes here to play. We come here for God. Do you remember that the high priest in the temple, he was so mindful that he could die in the holies. Do you know that? And he had those uh, bells there because he could die inside. You don't mess up in the presence of God. You know, because what happened, if anything never happened, you think, oh, it's the same, you know, I can come and, you know, you know we're worshipping God and I'm chewing my chewing gum, you know, it's, it's okay, I can be. Knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. Let me share with you something I did not prepare. At university, I used to lead a lot of cultural stuff, including dance. My hair wasn't like this. It was very different in those days. If you see a picture, you won't believe it. But I was leading. And then I became a Christian. I moved to the Ivory Coast, where we got married, to Ivory Coast. And I became a student union representative of all the Congolese students, because I'm from Congo, in the Ivory Coast. And then we had a musician coming from Congo in the Ivory Coast. He's one of the greatest musicians in Africa. And he came, and the embassy said, oh, we want the Congolese student to support him. I had already become a Christian. And they sent 15 tickets. And they say you can distribute to Congolese students so that they can come for free. I said, I'm going to see him too. So we went. I went there. I'm already a Christian. I had been Christian for three years. And I was there in that concert and looking what was happening. After that, I went back. I was in student home in campus. I became blind for three days. Okay? There is a witness. My wife knows the story. She's met the witness. It was a good sister, friend of me from Rival Coast, called Celestine Amlan. She was there. Three days blind. I couldn't see. I was like this. Pay a heavy price. Because God knew that you loved music before, now you belong to me, you've allowed yourself to go in a pagan music, I'm teaching you like this so that you will never again do that. Three days. If you try to invite me to go in a cinema now, I'm so scared. You see, people have their own definition, you know, the fear of the Lord, his reverence. No, for me, sometimes it's scaring. I don't want to be blind again. It was a heavy price. <laughs> Knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. We do not talk about fables here. When we say God can strike and strike really badly. Proverbs 29 verse 1. If someone is being rebuked often and is not receiving, he will be broken suddenly and without remedy by God. Until you see those things happen in your life, you will have a different perception of God. The fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. The reason why you see people playing and disrespect and doing things in the church, they have not known the fear of God. It's still theoretical. 
we've had a man, he was called Noé. I've told you this before. Noé was a very successful man, professionally speaking. Brother Noé taught scriptures, very sound in his reasoning, advanced mind, etc. Noé had to change seven times his engagement before he got married. Seven times. The church was a big church. Lot of young girls there, sisters wanting to be married. He went to this one, it didn't work. 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 I'm telling you first, first hand testimony from Noah himself. Noah thought one day, he said, What is not working in my life? He said to us, He said, He decided that for two years he's not going to think about marriage anymore. He's just going to seek God. And he said he was kneeling down around his coffee table every day. He wouldn't pray without crying. He was crying, Lord, Lord. He became scared of approaching a girl to ask for marriage. Because he had an anticipation that it's not going to work. For two years, he forgot everything and just started praying to God. Eventually, he got married. But when he was testifying, he said, I don't see how else God could have humbled my life and fashioned me the way he wanted, if not that way. Praise God, he understood quickly after seven attempts. But if you see Noah now, when he talk, you see this man has been through some Spiritual therapy, let's call it like that, has gone through the hand of God. The lack of reverence in the house of God, the empty and loose talk, is because people don't know the fear of God. There is not. You have been broken. Someone who has been broken does not even want to talk about brokenness. You look at the life, you see that person has been broken. Doesn't talk about brokenness. You hear young people have been broken, the value of baka, all those nice expressions. No, there's no brokenness. Where there is brokenness, you don't open your mouth. You look at someone, you say, that's a broken life. Because that person does not want God to repeat the experience. Knowing the terror of God, we persuade men. The fear of God is lacking in churches. That's why you see all the pride and things. Nothing is working. God is knocking at the door. Who is going to open the door for God to enter? That's what it is in Laodicea. I'm already in the teaching. Knocking. Who? Everybody's busy with knowledge. I know this, I know that, I know. But God is quietly knocking. Knocking. Listen. It's a group, it's a church. The door is the door of a church, Laodicea. But God is concerned in everything they're doing there, would there be anyone with sense to, to listen? He said, I'm knocking. I'm standing at the door knocking. If anyone, one person, not the thousand of people who are busy doing their own thing, one person will open the door, I will enter. To the church of Philadelphia, the Lord reveals himself as the one having the royal key of David. He opens when no one shut. He shut when no one opened. Oh, we get to the Laodicean. He can't enter the door. Where's the key gone? 
Looks like I'm already in the conclusion there. Okay, let's read. <laughs> let's read. Lord, we bless you once again this morning. Guide us, O thou great Jehovah, and bless us, Lord, with uh, the blessedness of the word of God. Open our understanding by the Holy Spirit. In the name of Jesus, to the glory of the Father, we pray. Amen. Amen. So we continue uh, the missing dimension today, continuation of the church of Laodicea. The missing dimension, the church of Laodicea, and we're reading from Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 22. That Revelation chapter 3, verse 14 to 22. And to the angel of the church of the Laodiceans writes, This thing says the Amen, the faithful and true witness, the beginning of the creation of God. I know your works, that you are neither cold nor hot. I could wish you were cold or hot. 16. So then, because you are lukewarm and neither cold nor hot, I will vomit you out of my mouth. Because you say I'm rich, I have become wealthy and have need for, of nothing, and do not know that you are wretched, miserable, miserable, poor, blind, and naked, I counsel you to buy from me gold refined in fire that you may be rich, and white garments that you may be clothed that the, the shame of your nakedness may not be revealed. And anoint your eyes with, with eye salves, that you may see, as many as I love, I rebuke and chasten, therefore be zealous and repent. Verse 20, behold, I stand at the door and knock. If anyone hears my voice and opens the door, I will come into him and dine with him and he with me. To him who overcomes, I will grant to sit with me on my throne. And as I also overcome and sat down with my father on his throne, he who has an ear, let him hear what the Spirit says to the churches. Well, I suppose each one of us, we have ears. Two, even. God has given two. We have ears. Laodicea I won't go through geographical, historical stuff because I already uh, addressed that in part one. You see, this church is, is, is a problematic church. When you come to problematic church, I'm giving you an excuse here for myself. You see, when I was preparing the teaching for the church in Philadelphia or Smyrna, Two, three pages, things were just flowing, you're going because they are what they're supposed to be. When you come to Laodicea, I don't know where to start. You know, I prepare this document here, then I come with another one here, then I come with another one here, then I come with another one here because I don't know. That's what happened where there is disorder. You see, the church in Thessalonica, Thessaloniki, is very simple. The message is straightforward. I do not want to be ignorant concerning those who have died. Okay? Wait for God. Clear. But for the church in Corinth, you don't even know what the topic is. It's so disorderly. So many 
many things to say. Paul seems to be touching everywhere. You know, food, adultery, gift, spiritual. The problem partout. That will happen. That's how things are difficult where there is lack of decency and order. I'm not saying us here. I'm saying Laodicea here. Don't be dismayed and discouraged. So, Laodicea was a church of illusions and self-satisfaction. A lukewarm church. Huh, that's a good word. Lukewarm. I was thinking, why is not John, Mark, Matthew warm? Luke. I don't know the explanation for that. Lukewarm. English sometimes can, can be very interesting. Yeah? I was one day at work in the kitchen... And someone comes to me and 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 and, and say, uh, "Do you do you want a no?" I say, "Can I have a glass?" The person say, "Oh, there's only a tumbler." I said, "Isn't that a glass?" You see, I can see some people don't even know what is tumbler. <laughs> That's English. It's too complicated. No wonder we drive on the left where everyone else drive on the right. Can you just give me a glass? No, there's only tumbler. <laughs> lukewarm. Okay. Spiritual lukewarmness means indifference, little zeal, being half-hearted in the things of God. Remember what I said previously? Minimum becomes the rule. I give God the minimum of my time. Everything else is for me. Whatever is left over, I can give to God. There was a day we were in a church, and uh, it happens twice to me, in Africa and here at Court Farm. I think it was World Cup. It happens that... England was playing at 7 o'clock on Tuesday. There were about two and a half people to prayer meeting. England playing in the World Cup, that will not repeat again. But prayer, we can come next Tuesday. And we find ourselves here and we're just smiling to each other because everybody got the message where people were. We should not give God the minimum. If we give God the minimum, he will give the minimum. I shared with a a sister, a few people a few days ago, here, and I say I do not believe in democracy in the church. I don't believe in dictatorship either. When you hear me talking about democracy to you, when I say do whatever you want to do is democracy, I'm saying that out of frustration. I'm not condoning. Don't don't misunderstand me that, oh, how come he's preaching democracy? No. What I'm saying really is God needs to lead the church. It's not democracy. Everybody must come under the headship of Jesus Christ in the church. Because people don't get that message, I go the other way around. I say, let's go, is democracy. But those who understand things will be provoked in this. What? No. 
is God headship. In Laodicea, it was democracy. Democracy. The ruling of people. Laodicea. The righteousness of the people. The judgment of the people. The dominion of the people. Democracy. And God was outside. Go ahead. Do your democracy. Everybody's right. Everybody knows what to do. God is outside waiting. Would anyone listen to me? God says. If anyone listens to me and opens the door, I will enter and I will dine with him and him with me. Dining. Again, I'm already in the conclusion. Let me share with you something. The Lord does not want us to remain blind. There are two types of spiritual blindness. One is a blindness to the things of God, including salvation and the gospel. The Bible says if the gospel is still veiled, it is covered hidden, veiled, to the people to whom the God of this world has blinded that they should not see the splendor of the gospel. That's a type of blindness. But there is another type of blindness. Let's remind ourselves. Let's go to that one. I spoke about that the other day. Uh, Let's look at Mark. Mark chapter 8. I'm sure some of you remember already even before we read that. Mark chapter 8. Okay. You see, whenever I, whenever I teach at home and, and I give a Bible verses, the children, they're very fast, supersonic, and they find it very quickly, and it takes me five minutes to find the place, and they're looking at me, ha-ha, <laughs> the elder. It's the last. <clears throat> Mark chapter 8, verse 22. We read. Then he, this is Jesus Christ. Then he came to Bethsaida, and they brought a blind man to him, and begged him to touch him. So he took the blind man by the hand, and led him out of the town, And when he had spit on his eyes, he put his hand on him. He asked him if he saw anything. Verse 24. And he took up and he looked up and said, I see men like trees walking. Then he put his hand on his eyes again and made him look up. And he was restored and saw everyone clearly. Do you remember we discussed this before? We shared this. Seeing fellow people like walking tree is not good. We are humans 
made in God likeness. And I'm still waiting. And I will really rejoice the day when I will see rudeness being listed among psychological disorder. I'm still waiting for that day. And when that comes, I will be willing to fund that project as well. I don't understand why it's taking so long. Why rudeness is not among the disorder? But it's just a culture now. You know, people look at other people like a pile of junk, like a bean, like rubbish, like people made in the image of God. And that seems to become the norm now. Do you know why? Pride. If I think I'm better than you, I can put whatever name I want to put on you in my mind. Because I think you are nothing. Let's come back to the one uh, most of us don't like. Husband and wife. When I speak about that, people think, what has it to do with husband and wife? It's my business. It is your business. That's fine. But you've got to respect one another. You see, what is happening in Christian family is unbelievable. The level of rudeness. We don't even find that among pagans. Well, let me talk to men first. If you think that you have nothing to have with your wife, why did you marry her? If you think that you are self-sufficient, why did you need to get married? I do this. I do this. This is my way of doing it. I remember many years ago, a Christian, a Christian telling his wife, I will not eat the, the beans, the beans, the haricots, the beans. I will not eat unless it can taste the way my mom used to cook. Well, stay with your mom. <laughs> stay with your mom. A Christian. Come on. And you find all those things, men, Men are very tolerant. If I move to ladies, I'll be in trouble here. But that's for another time. It's not equal opportunities. <laughs> There's a level of rudeness. I've been in a marriage praying for people at a wedding, newly married, counseling the man. Being at the wedding, praying for them. And the man shedding tears like this for love. For his <laughs> I look at him and said, This is a pleasant aventurier. And everybody says, oh, I love her. Four. Four years. Brother Guy, I'm really sorry to tell you that we're splitting. Can't take him anymore. I said, Yeah, boy. I say, Oh. So you lied to me the other day and you lied the whole church. What about the tears? And he was uh, talking about his children. He was saying, my children. See, if a man is saying my children, sometimes I just think myself, if the Lord would redo things and just give them the last minute before giving birth, they will change. They will never say again, my children. 
I'm very glad that in England you are allowed to go in the theater. Then you will respect your wife. You will not say, my children. Leave that in Africa. You see what I was telling you? When is a disordered church, we can go all over the place. Because lack of order. God is not the author of confusion. There has to be order in the church. All the things I'm telling you here, you find them in the church. Rude men, rude husband, in the church. Let's spare ladies for today. Let's reflect for today. we come back to that another time. Just talk about men first. Now, you got to respect your wife. Respect your wife. It's not easy to find a wife. Do you know that? What does the Bible say? Blessed the person who has found. They were found. You found. Bingo. Do you know how many people are after that wife before you meet her? Do you know how many? Respect. Be grateful to God. Honor. Respect to the uttermost. Amen. Close the bracket. Let's come back now. Well, this will come back in November 2024. We'll have a full day talking about these things in November 2024. You are invited already. Here. So, where are we? Okay. Now, what does the Lord... What's the problem with the church in Laodicea? And what does, what's the Lord's response Well, the church in Laodicea is boasting. We are rich. But that was a reflection from the general environment in Laodicea. It was a very, very, very rich city. A lot of manufacturers. A lot of them. A lot of uh, uh, pharmaceutical industry there. Le Collier, Isalf, the Collier was made there to start with. That's why the Lord is telling you, you are blind. Yes, you produce that medicine for eyes, but as far as I'm concerned, you are blind. Come and buy the right, in French we say, le collier pour tes yeux. Eyes self, come and buy from me. Then you will have your eyes open because you are blind. The Lord says you are poor, poor, wretched, miserable. Come and take from me. Gold refined in fire. True riches. And then the Lord say, okay, you've got all this fashion in your city, you've got all this fear, but you are naked. Come to me for real clothes so that the shame of your nakedness will be covered. It's the idea of Adam and Eve, you know, going to hide and making some fig leaves, you know, cloths, and, because they try to fabricate, come to the say, no, no. Here is a skin of an animal. An animal has been killed in order to clothe you. The spirit of sacrifice already. It takes Christ has been sacrificed in order for you to be clothed in white garment. That is new life. Do you remember in uh, 
in uh, Revelation chapter 7 and verse 14. I think John sees a lot of people there clothed in white. And he asks, who are those? Revelation 7.14. Who are those? The answer. Those are people who have washed, number one, washed the robes in the blood of the Lamb and have whitened them. Huh. Washed and then whitened them. New birth and then a newness of life. The same blood by which we are saved, it's only the basis, basis for our victorious work with God. When we ask for forgiveness, when we repent, all that is done on the basis of Jesus Christ having shed his blood on the those are the ones that have washed their robes and whitened them. Are you whitening your robe in the blood of the Lamb? From your initial position of salvation when you were born again in Christ, where are you now? Are you enjoying to be cleansed by God? Are we enjoying the cleansing in the blood of Christ? Or are we like dogs returning to eat what they have vomit. Are we whitening our lives in the blood of the Lamb as we await from heaven his blessed appearing? He who, had that, he who has that hope in him purifies himself. The waiting of Jesus Christ should have a purifying effect on us. Sometime I heard somewhere young people about to get married and they say to you, can we pray together so that God will take me through this process in purity? You see, those are people who fear God. You see, because there are so many temptation and so many things that can derail, that can divert me, that can, you know, drift me away, that can, can God just lead me in this process? That's the fear of God. What about the riches? Are we against people getting rich? Certainly no. But there is a big trap as well in pursuing money, 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 money. There was a man here in London in 2000, the year 2000, was from the Ivory Coast. I talk a lot about Ivory Coast because I spent 10 years there. And uh, he was here. He was building a house in the Ivory Coast. And then he was working here to save build up some funds in order to complete his building in the Ivory Coast. Therefore, he will do two to three jobs every day. Two to three jobs every day. 
So it's almost as though his life was just between buses, all the buses. You know, this bus is the night one, is in that one, that one, is not that one. Gonna... One day, and he would just sleep in the bus between two journeys. Just sleep and then go to the other work and go to that door. One day at the bus stands, the driver came, he was sleeping like this at the back. Excuse me, last stop, last stop. He was gone, finished. Gone. Walk so much for storing up the wealth of this world and he's gone. In North London, Tottenham, there was a young man who just gained his degree. Degree. They did a party. The next day he was right there, died, and the diploma, the certificate was put here at the cushion here, like this, died. Gone. What shall it profit to a man to gain the whole world if you lose your soul? Do you remember that man in the Bible? My soul rejoice and be merry. Self worshipping. Look at the harvest. All this rejoice and be merry. The Lord say, Foolish. Today your soul will be required of you. The Bible says, because il n'était pas riche pour Dieu, he was not rich for God. Is God against riches? No, Abraham was rich. But riches can divert you from God. If, okay, you quote it in your, in, in your English. Lorsque les richesses s'accroissent, n'y attache pas ton cœur. You know, when your riches is growing, I'm paraphrasing, do not stick, commit your heart into it because it will mislead you. Money, 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 money. And God is left behind. The Bible says, you cannot worship two masters. No, you can't worship God and mammon. No, you will serve one and betray the other one. You can't. You have to choose. Let's be careful with greed and cupidity. Love God with all your hearts. <laughs> be ready to go. There shouldn't be anything in your life that makes you think twice. When the trumpet sounds, I have to sow this. You know, I'm going to bury my dad. I'm going to bury my sister. I'm going to do the Bible. Say, no, 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 no. No. When the trumpet sounds, be ready to go. That means your children, your wife, your everything, nothing should come between you and God. Nothing. No one. Ready for the departure. When it sounds, let's be alert, vigilant, waiting God, seeing that we walk into these things because Christ is coming back. The older Christians used to think soon and very soon we are going to see the Lord. It's no longer now on song list. Now we see um, we rise like an eagle. Everybody wants to be an eagle above everyone else. But in those days, he was though none go with me, I still will follow. We want to please people. If we do that, God will be ashamed of us as well. 
a question that was asked in the book Revelation is uh, uh, who are these people? Why are those are the ones who follow the lamb wherever he goes? Are you following the lamb wherever he goes, wherever he sends you? Is your life translating that kind of uh, selfless love for God? Do we really love God? We do, I'm sure. But not as we should. So, three things. Number one, we need to know Jesus Christ. And the power of his resurrection and his finished work. Ignorance and the lack of discernment of what Christ has done for us is a trap for us. That's why you see people trying to do things to please God. They try a bit of activism here, a little bit of activism. You know, sometimes it goes like this and then they discourage and then they go there because they're trying to do things themselves to be seen as doing things. I suggest to you this morning to rest in Christ. Let your work appear to your servants. Noah was given the full model. Moses, he was told to him, you shall do everything according to the pattern, the model you've seen on the mountain. The Bible says, the Lord has prepared work that we may walk in them. He's prepared before and. Ephesians 2.10 It's your responsibility to pray that the Lord will show you what he's called you to do in his house. Then you need to take that seriously. And serve the Lord. If you are still like this. It means you don't even know what you call to. It's not a sin. But it can become. If you don't take time. To seek the Lord for your life. May the Lord bless you. That's the church of Laodicea. Could go all over the place. And I promise you I won't come back to that again. Finish. I've got 10 pages. I'm fed up. It's a lot. With Laodicea. Trop de désordre. May the Lord strengthen each one of us. That we seek the Lord. That we love the Lord. There's no, there's no secret. I'm standing in front of you. There's no secret. I'm, I have the same struggle as you. The same challenge as you. Struggle to read the Bible like you. Struggling to pray like you. I used to do a... a Okay, let me be wise on that. Okay. So, it's not easy for anybody. But I look around me. I look at serious believers. I say, ah, there is something to learn in that life. Some people look at me and think I'm radical. You've never seen radical believers, I'm telling you. I've seen radical believers. Dave Hunt is one of them. You know, he wrote the book, uh, Judgment Day, and Rick Warren took the book and went to give to Obama so that Obama will be alerted and not make mistake in discriminating against Israel. So someone came and told Dave Hunt, why are you writing against Rick Warren? Look at what he's done. He's given the president your book. He said, I'm very grateful for that, but he's a false prophet. May the Lord bless you, dear sisters and brothers. Let's continue. Let's continue to serve the Lord. Don't think it's only me. No. Millions of people are following Christ. 
Christ is touching heart in Muslim countries. Christ is appearing in some form to people who are coming to Christ. If you say only 10 people of Indian people are believers, only 10 people, but they are 1 billion, what is 10% of a, a billion? It's 100 million of believers. That's what it means. So the percentage might mislead you. When we say 5% of Chinese people, where? It's hundreds of millions there. It's more than us here. So we are many. We are a small group here as a local church, but the body of Christ is big. And people are calling. God is saving people. And one day, we will meet in heaven. Be prepared. Do not be discouraged. If there is a trial, okay, that's fine. The believers of old stood by that. They trusted God. They walk with God. Some of them were thrown in lions then, but they did not deny Christ. Amen. Be strong in the Lord. God bless you. Now, we're going to close the service. Many of you now uh, Hudson, Hudson Tyler from the China Inland Mission. At some point, the Chinese people became against the Christians and there arose a big persecution against Christians. Young people in this country became very scared to go because of the kind of reports they were receiving from China with missionaries being killed. Those who had enrolled here to go for mission, they became very scared. 200 young people because of what they heard, how Christians were being killed. One of the administrators in that mission was inspired by God and said, are we going to leave this work? The task unfinished? No. We're going to face the task and finish. And he encouraged the young people and wrote a beautiful song. And we're going to close the service with that. Facing the task and finish. Please stand up. Let's sing. And then we'll close in prayer. Please. Facing a task unfinished that drives us to our knees, unequal and diminished, rebukes our softful
that the Lord will use you according to his will and purpose, that you will be partaker and partner with him in his great commission. Open your mouth and begin to pray. I'm not asking you to think. I'm asking you to open your mouth and pray for yourself. Let's pray. Hallelujah, hallelujah, hallelujah. Oh Lord God Almighty, the author and the commissioner of the great commission, O oh God Almighty. Father, we commit our lives to you, O oh Lord God. We thank you for you have hidden these things, Lord, to the wise of this world, but you have revealed these things, Lord, to the babe, to those who love you, O oh God. Father, we yield and commit our lives to you, Lord. We are nothing. We are so weak, O oh God. Yet, Lord, your power is perfected in our weaknesses. Lord, we Thank you for you have provided your good, holy, eternal spirit to guide us in all truth and to enable us, oh God, to fulfill your great commission. Father, we pray for brothers and sisters in this place that you will raise up, revive, restore, oh Lord, empower, enable, Lord, by the power of the Holy Spirit that everyone will be, Lord, used. According to your will and purpose, we pray. Father, you see the desire of everyone to move on, to move forward with you. We pray that, Lord, you will help everyone, Lord. That the joy of the Lord will be the strength for everyone. We pray, oh God, that you will remove every sentiment of frustration. You will remove every sentiment of fear and due. You will replace with faith, faith in Christ Jesus who is both the author and the finisher of that faith. Enable your people, O oh God, we pray, and make us living stone in the building up of your temple, a dwelling place of God in spirit. We give you praise and glory. Now we pray that every life here will be hidden in Christ, O oh God. We pray, O oh Lord, that you will help for the rest of the journey. We are so tired, we are weary, but we look to you, Oh God, we are weak, but thou art mighty. Lead us, Lord, with thy powerful hand, bread of heaven. We give you praise. Lord, we pray that you keep your people safe. 
you bless your people. You grant your people victory over the works of the enemy. You open the doors because you're the one who holds the keys. Where it's been yesterday impossible. God of all possibilities. Open doors for your children. That their joy may be full. We give you praise and glory. May your hand be upon each one of us. Raise up those who are unwell in their body. Yahweh Rapha. Oh Lord help. We need your grace. We need your mercy. We need your blessing. We need your protection. We need your guidance. Praise and glory. Be given unto you. Now and forevermore. In Jesus name. Everybody say Amen. May the Lord bless you and be strong in the Lord. You may be seated. Amen.